so much. Luke chapter 2, of course, we know it as the Christmas story, but I'm just going to read one verse this morning. We're going to read the Christmas story in our service this evening with four or five different folks reading. Uh, But Luke chapter 2 this morning, we'll read verse 7, verse 7. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. I want to preach this this thought to you this morning. Jesus excluded. No room in the inn. Let's pray. Father, help us as we take a look at this text. And Lord, in our hearts and minds, We rejoice for the Christmas story, Lord, in our every part, in our being. We believe this text to be so, that Christ came to us, born of a virgin. As Lori sang, the greatest gift man has ever received. Lord, in our world today, still people exclude him from their lives. They celebrate the season, but they don't celebrate the Christ of Christmas. So help us as believers to truly celebrate your Son. Dear Holy Spirit, help me as I preach this morning. If there be any child, teenager, adult, Lord, that does not know Jesus as their own Savior, I pray, Holy Ghost, that you might speak to them about receiving the gift the gift of God's Son, Jesus, and the gift of salvation through his sacrifice at Calvary. Do the work that I cannot do, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Jesus excluded. Now Luke, the writer here, uh, he mentions this incident with other information, so if we're not careful, we'll not pick it out as clearly maybe as we should. It's a surprising truth, striking, but very instructive as we read the Christmas story. And after all these years, I'm still amazed, and and it bothers me a little bit, if I don't look look at it properly, that Christ would come to a world that did not want him. 
But on the other hand, I believe at the time in which this took place, they were so busy with their everyday life that I don't believe necessarily everyone was intentionally excluding him. They just didn't believe. The prophets foretold, but they didn't believe. The true Jews at heart would pray for the coming Messiah, but they prayed without believing. And the Lord sent forth his son, born of a virgin. And they didn't recognize it. Now, I know there's a few that did. I, I, I call them the Fab Five as we look in Scripture. But Simeon, the old man, he hung around the temple, the Bible says in Luke chapter 2. And he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And in Luke chapter 2, we can't go there this morning, verses 25 through 35. He sees the baby, he sees the Christ child, and rejoices that he got to see the consolation of Israel with his own eyes. And then, dear aged Anna, in Scripture, in Luke chapter 2, verse 36 to 38, she was anticipating the promised Messiah as well. Now, Simeon is known as a just and devout man. He was one that had the Holy Ghost, the Bible says, upon him. Now, Anna, she was a prophetess. She was a, a woman of great age, from what I can figure out in Scripture. She's about 84 years of age to 88 years of age. Faithful. She was married to a priest, been a widow a long time, in the temple. It says of her, she had fastings and prayers daily. And she was thankful, rejoicing in the redemption when she saw the baby Jesus. But pretty much uh, the whole nation of Israel and the world was unaware. They were not desiring the Christ that they should have desired. He came, but he wasn't expected and again, I believe people were so much taken with just the daily grind, the daily living. And they were not looking for the hope of Israel when the first advent of Christ came forth. Now we know Joseph and Mary believed as God spoke to them personally again through messengers. And then as Pastor Williams taught this morning, some two years later, the Magi came, okay? But there wasn't a very big group that actually believed in the promised Messiah coming. Just a very small group. You know, that was true in his death. And then at the cross, there was just a handful that were there for him when he died. When he came in, there was a few. When he left, there was a few. The Savior of the world came. But, and he was excluded. Hmm. Our world's much like that today. Not much attention drawn to Christ at Christmas. People celebrate Christmas, and many people celebrate Christmas without Christ. And many people, although they've heard about the second advent of Jesus Christ, the Lord coming, they choose not to believe. They choose not to desire His coming, but He's coming. Just like the prophets foretold His coming. 700 years through the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 7 and 14, a virgin would conceive and bring forth a son. Isaiah 9 and verse 6, and his name should be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Prince of... These were prophecies of the coming Christ, the first advent. We're even told about the birthplace. We'll say more about that in just a bit. But we know there's many scriptures talking about his next coming. And we that believe are looking for it. When Jesus died, rose again, and spent time with his disciples, 
50 days after his resurrection, they stood on a hillside and, and right before his own disciples, the Lord lifted up and went up into heaven. As they were looking up, angels said, what are you standing here for? This same Jesus, which has gone up into heaven, he'll come back in like manner as you have seen him go. And basically the angel was saying, get busy, get to work. Church, we're almost there. Maybe this Christmas. Wouldn't that be something? But the first Christmas, he was excluded. And all these other Christmases, in many hearts, in many lives, in many homes, Jesus is still excluded. I hope he's not in yours. I believe this crowd probably believes. And they haven't excluded him. But, you know, I don't know. Sometimes in every, even in Christian groups, there are people that have gotten distant from the Lord. Sort of like what Pastor Williams was teaching this morning. Don't exclude him from your life. Amen. Come home for Christmas. Worship the Lord with all your heart this Christmas. Oh, Jesus was excluded from their thoughts and their dreams and their desires and their lives and their hopes and their hearts. And Luke tells us there was no room for them in the end. I just have some introductory points and we'll get to our main teaching, preaching this morning. First of all, I want you to notice Luke in chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. It tells us about a potentate, that's a king, his pronouncement of taxing and a trip that was required for everyone. The Bible says in Luke chapter 2, verse 1, And it came to pass in those days that there went a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Boy, things haven't changed much since then. Caesar Augustus, he felt the need of more revenue to fund his kingdom. And he devised a plan to get the money, and that was tax the people. This caused the edict to be sent out, and uh, everyone was to return to their place of origin, to be assessed and to be taxed. Then the prophets foretold the coming Christ, as I mentioned in Luke Chapter 2, verse 3, it says, And all went to be taxed, every one to his own city. Isaiah 9, 6, For unto us is born, unto us a son is given. And God was making sure that all the wheels were turning to make that happen. So God used the taxation to get them home. And it was foretold by the prophets. Then the providence of God his plan was secured, and the very birthplace of Christ was announced, again, some hundreds of years before he actually was born. Micah 5 and verse 2, But thou Bethlehem Ephrathah, Ephrathah just another name for Bethlehem. It means fruit, a place of fruitfulness. It's kind of like you got Detroit and you got the Motor City. You understand they're both one, okay? So Bethlehem Ephrathah is Bethlehem. And it's interesting, he says, But thou, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, kind of insignificant in the way the world would think at that time, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler on Israel, whose going forth hath been from old, from everlasting. Notice the wording there. He came forth unto me. We think it's for us. God had this plan for him. For God's glory, God's purposes. Don't ever forget, it's not about us. It's always about the Lord. 
How can we advance that more in our lives, be used of God more to glorify God? Bethlehem was the, 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 the place where it was known as the house of bread. And we've, we've heard this and know this, that the bread of life was given providentially, placed in a stable, and then laid in a manger. That's a feeding trough for animals. That's a, very appropriate that the bread of life would come in such a manner. But he came to this place of Bethlehem. It's interesting that the land of Christ's first advent was known and is known today as the Fertile Crescent. It's, it's the most um, productive land on the face of the earth, called the Promised Land. The land of bounty, the land of milk and honey, the breadbasket of the world, that area. No greater farmland, no better agriculture. It's a gold mine with all kinds of minerals and riches. Matter of fact, in the during the tribulation period, all the different countries will be trying to get a hold of it. It's so rich. But that's where the bread of life came from. Also called David's city. In scripture, we talk about David and talks about his sons. And that's not talking about his actual sons. It's talking about generations from David. The family line, if you would, or root Another noteworthy thing to observe here is that both Joseph and Mary, Jesus' earthly parents, they resided in Nazareth, but yet they had to go to Bethlehem to pay their taxes. And how would this come to pass? Jeremiah was speaking this morning, Pastor Jeremiah, about a 1,500-mile trip for the, the, the wise men coming from the east. Well, Mary and Joseph's trip wasn't so Long, but it was difficult, to say the least. God was bringing them back for his purposes. The Lord was at work. Fear not, Jehovah God was in charge, and he still is today. He was orchestrating the divine wheels of his redemptive plan for you and I. So just a few days shy of Christmas this year, I want to talk about how this all plays out. Jesus excluded. First of all, I want you to look at these illustrious travelers, Mary and Joseph. In Luke chapter 1, and look at verse 27, the Bible says that Gabriel came and spoke to Mary, and he says, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. The Bible tells us many times that Mary was a virgin. Other translations of the Bible wrongly interpret her just to be a young woman. You, a young woman can have a child, but virgins don't have children by the Holy Ghost. Right. Something special. She was chosen of God in a great way to bring us a Savior. Now the account of these travelers, Joseph, the earthly parent or father of Jesus, you know, his coming into the story is rather brief, but it's significant. The Bible says that he was a just man, a righteous man, a man of integrity. Well, who else would the Lord choose to raise his son for him? Upon the knowledge that Mary was with child, Joseph decided to do right by her. He heard her story. 
no doubt anxious. He did his best to preserve her dignity and testimony. For the Bible says in Matthew 1 and verse 19, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. That's a good man. Think of the emotion that they were going through at that time. He, when he first heard, he had to come to faith. He had to come to believe. And the angel, God sent an angel to him to explain the details. Wow. Then we read that the angel, when he visited, Joseph said this, Matthew 1.20, but while he thought on these things. See, the Bible says Mary pondered these things in her heart. Joseph was thinking about all of this, and Mary was too, and how this is going to affect their lives. We have to put ourselves in the story. What would people say? What would people think? How would it affect their families? Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary, uh, Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived of her is of the Holy Ghost. Now we read that and say, wow, that's good. He got it. Think about it, if that was the first time you heard something like that. Verse 24, then Joseph being raised from sleep did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and he took unto him his wife. I mean, you talk about a man of faith. You talk about a, a just man. And listen to this, verse 25, and knew her not till she brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. Knew her not. He sacrificed. He sacrificed for God. Then Mary, we read of her being honored and chosen, the mother of the God-man. Preached on that a couple weeks ago. A virtuous woman. That word virtue means chaste, means high moral standard. A virgin girl, woman, never knowing a man. A surrendered to God, woman. After this, nothing would be the same in her life, not only then, but the rest of her life. But she said, be it unto thy handmaiden, God, as you have said. Boy, I wish we could be yielded and surrendered like Mary shows us to be. God, not my will. Listen, you're here today and it's almost Christmas What's your relationship with your God in the matter of surrender? Yielding to his will? What he wants? Now we can expect this world, they all want and clutch and go after everything they can get their hands on. But we are the saved. We're the redeemed. We're the children of God. Shouldn't there be something in us that wants God to have his will in our life? Absolutely. God gave us the greatest gift we could ever have. God just wants us. What are you going to give God this year? What are you going to give Jesus? How about you? How about your heart again? How about your spirit again? Your talents, your gifts from God. Isaiah seven fourteen. Therefore the Lord shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Like Joseph and Mary were in the 
like Joseph, Mary was in the royal line of Judah as well. And uh, now it is time for the delivery of the Christ child. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, behold, pay attention, get this. That word behold means, hey, it, uh, it's like when my, uh, my daughter Trisha was just a little girl and I wouldn't pay attention to her sometimes. You know how you're busy and you're doing something? And I remember her taking my hands, taking her hands and taking my face and turning me to her. And she'd say, Daddy, listen to me. <laughs> That's the word behold. Get, listen to the, get this. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted as God with us. So Joseph and Mary, instruments of God, chosen of God, yielded to God. They were of royalty. And she has now time, little time, before she brings forth the Christ child. Then we see number two, the arduous journey. That they took. Look at verse 3 and 4. It says, And all went to be taxed, every one to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth and to Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. The word arduous, I like that word. I looked it up. I like words. It means difficult. It means tiring. It means strenuous. It means laborious. No pun intended. Exhausting, grueling, trying, burdensome. This was Joseph and Mary's lot, trying to get to the city which God had already told us in Micah that, she would, that Christ child would be born in Bethlehem. They didn't know how God would orchestrate it, but God worked it out with the taxation. Everybody had to go to their own city, and they come to Bethlehem. What a trip. Now, it wasn't 1,500 miles like the wise men it was 88 miles, but you ladies that have had babies, how, how about walking 88 miles just before you give birth? <laughs> 88 miles of rugged terrain, of thieves on the road, bandits on the road, all kinds of danger. You know, the Bible never tells us that Mary rode on a donkey. That's a nice story. It looks good on Christmas cards. But it doesn't say she rode on the back of a donkey. But I think people have thought, well, how'd she get there unless it was a beast of burden of some kind? But they traveled all that way, walking. And they had to get there at a certain time. They, there was a count. There was a census. There was a, a taxation. And they didn't have forever to get there. But listen, I believe under the protective hand of God, I believe of God's helping them, they got exactly to the place he wanted them to come. And they came into this city and they traveled so many out days to, to get there. And when they got there, the place was packed. It was teeming with people for everybody had to come back for the same reason. To be counted, to be taxed. You know, I never thought about this before. But as I read about Nazareth and the distance to Jerusalem being somewhere 80 to 88 miles, I also took a look at a map and I started looking at places they had to pass on the road. Kind of a panorama of the, of the life of Jesus Christ before he was ever born. What he would do in those places. It's interesting to me. He had to pass Mount Tabor. Mount Tabor is Lower Galilee, 
near the seaside. This is where Jesus would preach to the masses. As she's taking that little child within her on this journey, they're passing the place where Jesus would calm the sea, cause his disciples to cast out the net and catch a multitude of fishes. It was the place of the Mount of Transfiguration where Christ would be seen in all his glory as God. Wow. Then they would pass the next city, Nain. Means green pastures are lovely. It's the place where Jesus would raise the widow's son. In Luke chapter 7, one of the first miracles, the first miracles when Jesus turned the water into wine, but one of the first miracles where Jesus would show himself as God, as Messiah, raising the dead son of a widow. Then they would go near a place past the place called Sychar or Shechem. This is where Jacob's well was. And this is where Jesus would sit on the well being tired in the heat of the day. And there would be an outcast woman there, rejected by others, but Jesus never shunned her. He never rejected her. Instead, he opened up a conversation with her and he opened her heart unto who he was and she believed on him. And then she went into the city and told everybody she could. And they came back and said, we don't believe because of we, what she said. We believe because we've come and heard them our, ourselves. Yeah. Just think of this little father and this mother and this baby on their way. And they're passing these places where Jesus would do great things, great miracles, Amen. preach great sermons to great multitudes. And then he would come past this place called Shiloh called the Pleasant, seat, uh, Pleasant City. This is a place where Messianic prophecy regards that Jesus would be clearly recognized as Messiah by the people. Genesis 49.10, The scepter shall not depart from Judah nor a lawgiver between his feet until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of his people be. And when Jesus came into that holy city, he had to make his way again, not only at birth, but on his way to Calvary, to Shiloh. And that's when the people started praising him and worshiping him and recognizing who he was. And then on to Jerusalem and then to Bethlehem. And they came, but it was full of people. No place but doesn't the Bible say later in his earthly that there was no place to lay his head? My goodness, no wonder Jesus has so much compassion on poor people, indigent people, people with no place to be. Amen. And that's the third thought from Luke's gospel, no place found for a suitable reception. We're talking about the king of glory here. Verse 6, and it was so that while they were there that the days accomplished that she should bring, be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, a bunch of rags, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. The inn was full. Obviously, again, I don't think everybody is saying, let's exclude Jesus. But he was excluded. Everybody was finding their own way, their own place. You know, I think of our world today. 
I believe many of them on purpose reject Jesus Christ. I believe many today don't want anything to do with it. But folks, what we have to understand is many people out there that don't know Jesus, they don't know him like we didn't know him before we were saved. People are trying to make a living, trying to, trying to raise up their children the best way they know how, trying to keep a job, trying to save for health uh, problems, or maybe later retirement. They not on purpose reject him. But in our world today, there's no room for Jesus. Nonetheless, that inn was full of people traveling. Nothing was left but an outbuilding, a barn, a stable, where horses and mules and sheep and cattle and livestock would be placed. And it was there that Mary delivered, and the king of glory was born. And she wrapped him in swaddling clothes. That word swaddling has to do with grave wrappings having to do with just, just rags. You would think that the king of glory would have come in a palace with beautiful wrappings. You would think that he would be in a nursery that would be the best on the earth. But we know that was not the case. But listen, that's the way God the Father wanted him to come. He came humble. He came lowly. And that was God's perfect plan. That was the prophesied plan. That was the desired plan of God. And we don't see it, but on the cross, we see it again when it says that it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Why? For me. For you. Now, again, I don't think the world out there today is intentionally all saying, we don't want nothing to do with him, which many of them feel that way. But not everyone. So more is placed upon us to go out there and share our glorious testimonies of what God has done for us and how he's changed us and how he's changed our lives and our family and our heritage and tell them such good news. They'll want to receive it themselves. We tend to focus on all the people that don't want anything to do. But I think the majority out there, if they could just hear it clearly through us and the help of the Holy Ghost, they may receive this wonderful message of salvation. But definitely, we live in a world that there's not much room anymore for Jesus. Now, all this recorded information, why would God supply it to us? Chapter 2, verse 8, and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock. I mean, these are the workers of that day. Rank and file, guys. And God said, yeah, I'm going to do something for you, man. You're going to be the first ones that I'll tell this to. And you will share the message. And how did God do it? And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord trod round about them, and they were sore afraid. I, we cannot enter into what that was like that day when the host of angels were present there to those lowly shepherds. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, what shall be to all people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. What an announcement. What a wonderful thing. But why would God include this 
Why is it so important? Because it shows us the miraculous condescension of God. God coming down, condescending to us. Christ the Lord of glory, announced by angels, comes to us. The other night when I was with Paul in the prison, I was preaching about the God-man. When we first started out the service, it was kind of a little noisy. They talked some. And as I started talking about Jesus being very God, born in the flesh, there was just a, a group of men in a, up in the bleachers. They were back and forth disagreeing, shaking their head at me and arguing, you could see. And it was kind of intimidating, but, but I just kept on preaching and kept on preaching. And after a while, I kept talking to them and showing them right from the Bible that it was God come in the flesh. I said, you cannot deny what this Bible says. And buddy, from then on, they were plugged in. There was something holy going on there, and people were listening. Hey, listen, this is an important message. People need to hear it. And listen, they're going to shake their heads and disagree with you. But nonetheless, God came in the flesh. And why did he come? He come for our salvation. So, folks, I don't think we can. God came down in human flesh. God came and dwelt among us. God took upon himself flesh to, as I mentioned before, to experience the human plight, the passion, the hurt, the suffering, the loss, the stress of life to understand us. But uh, saints, God didn't have to do that. God didn't have to, but he did. For me, for you. And Jesus said in John 12 and verse 32, and if I be lifted up upon the earth, I will draw all men unto me. God came in the flesh. He came down. Divinity came down to become reputed earthly son of a commoner, of a common laborer, to a carpenter, to the carpenter's craft. For what purpose? To draw all men unto him. We've got to get that message out. That's the message God wants us to share. And he wants it for the bottom rung of society as well as the highest of society. He came to the lowly shepherds, but then kings came and heard the report later, and they bear that message to everywhere they could bear it. And so the exclusion of Jesus Christ from that inn exhibits also the moral condition of mankind. The world makes no room for even its own much less the Son of God. Today, the world makes lots of room for the whirling. The world will embrace heroes and philosophers and warriors and actors and musicians and men of science. It seems today the more crude, the more they want to accept them. But no room for godly, no room for holy, no room for gospel, no room for Jesus. But we are entrusted to tell them. Share the good news that Christ was born. That God came in the flesh. 
to dwell among us and to die on the cross to wash away our sin debt. So listen, the lost, as they celebrate Christmas without Christ, let's show them how to celebrate Christmas with Christ. Let's focus on the spiritual. Let's focus on the amazing. Let's focus on the glorious. Let's tell everybody we can how God did this for us. For us. And then, being rejected, Jesus came lowly to reach the lowly. You ever notice about his ministry? Jesus, he would do more time with the poor, the outcast, the publican, the prostitute, the street people. You ever notice that? Maybe as a church, maybe as an individual, we're missing opportunity. Because within us is the nature to reject what is uncomfortable, what puts us in inconvenient places. The exclusion of Jesus is carried on today. Upon the Christmas story, we can sit here as Christian people in this comfortable church and we could lament the fact that Jesus was rejected. We can shake our heads and say, what a shame. They did not receive him. They did not recognize him. May God change our hearts to understand that people today are much like people of then. Just so busy with the affairs of this life. We tend to receive Christmas like we've been taught to receive Christmas. Listen, young people and adults, if you've been raised in a Christian home, you are so blessed. Do you realize, realize the gift that God gave you? That you understand any of this? Do you know there are people... In the shadow of this church, in your neighborhood, where you work, people that you rub shoulders with every day, they don't understand spiritual things because they're natural, they're lost. But they don't get a lot of things that you had the opportunity because they were shared with you, they were given to you. We live in a world today where people down your street don't understand Christmas one bit. But yet their house might be the most Brightly lit house on the block with reindeer and snowmen and Christmas canes. And, but they need to know about Christ. God help us to share the Christ of Christmas. Not to downplay them, not to, not to be mean to them, not to cut them off, not to say, well, they're just living the way they want to live. Maybe they don't know. Jesus said, come unto me all you labor and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And when he preached, multitudes would come to hear him. Because he was different than the status quo religion of the day. And again, he said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men. Let's lift him up. Let's lift him up. Let's rejoice. Let's, I mean, really rejoice. That unto us a child is given, unto us a son is given. Let's rejoice that Jesus came in the flesh. Let's rejoice that there's a redeemer that has redeemed our soul. Let's rejoice. 
Jesus, yes, he's excluded. There's no room. There's no place. But listen, let's show him Jesus. Rejoice when you go into the marketplace. Rejoice. I know when you have to go into the mall and there's only a few days left. But rejoice. I'll close with this. You know, there's all kinds of commercials. Radio spots. TV spots. Credit card commercials. Visa. MasterCard. Discover. Diner's card. Jeremiah was talking about he has no money. <laughs> it's Christmas. Capital One. What does Capital One say? Don't leave home without it. If you're here today, friend, you don't have Jesus, don't leave earth without him. Saints, let's not have Christmas without Jesus Christ. I don't think we can truly worship God rightly unless we include part of the story in our life, and that's telling others. Well, I've told them before. I've told them many times. Tell them again. You see, this is a God thing. God has to open their heart. But he includes you and I. We're the human instrument, instruments whereby we tell the story. And God gets glory. Amen? Amen? And I'll say this and I'll be done. Maybe there might be one or two, three more. That there may be a time in your life you were closer to the Lord. You know the Lord. But you've drifted away. Don't exclude Jesus from another Christmas. Another year. Not even a day. May today be the day you open your heart again to your Savior and let him in. Oh, I know you've been hurt. I know there's been circumstances. I understand. I understand. You know, I can't remember a year for our church there's been so many funerals near Christmas. It's hard. I was called upon by a family last night. Their pastor, they couldn't get a hold of him. And they asked me if I would come because their loved one was near death. And I went in that room and everyone was with their loved one waiting for their last breath. And I'm telling you what, it's a sad, sad place to be. But Linda knew the Lord. And her husband knew the Lord, and the kids knew the Lord. And you know what? They were sad, but they all knew that, hey, in just a few moments, mom's going to go to glory. It's different for the Christian. There are people out there, they're going to face death without Christ. We must reach them. We know that there's comfort in the scriptures and the Holy Spirit and the family of God. And this Christmas has had a lot of loss. And I believe past Christmas, listen, somebody's lost their loved one. Every holiday is a hard thing. Let's celebrate Christ. Let's tell others about Jesus. Saints, let's get Christmas back in our hearts. Let's go tell that story. Because someday there's going to be sad times, but there'll be a joy within knowing that their loved one is with the Lord. Amen? Let's bow our heads if we would, every head bowed. No room for them in the end. Is there room for Jesus in your heart this morning?
Do you truly know him as your Savior? Say, no, I don't. Well, why don't you today receive Jesus Christ, the Christ of Christmas, into your heart and life? I'll tell you, I promise you, it'll make a difference. And maybe you've wandered from your Lord. No judges here, we all have. Won't you let this Christmas be a time that you give your heart back to the Lord? Serve him, worship him, honor him as he deserves. Father, thank you for the liberty you gave me to preach this morning. I pray now, dear Holy Ghost, that you would have great liberty to speak to hearts right now in this invitation. Save the lost. Bring back the person who's distant to your, to your, uh, to your dear son, Father. And Lord, I pray that all of us that name the name of Jesus, that we'll get bold and tell the Christmas story, and Lord, in a positive light, in a, in a rejoicing light. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.